0: As we talk about revival, I know one thing, only God can bring revival. Man can't do it, I can't do it, the preacher can't do it, only, only God, His Holy Spirit can bring revival, but we're praying for that, for this week that God would bring revival into our hearts and into our lives, and to help us this week, and I pray that God will use me to be a help and a blessing to you. Before I get into the Word of God tonight, I wanted to sing you one song. I wish I'd have wrote this song, but I didn't. It was written by a cowboy preacher by the name of Dale Way. Now, Dale Way uh, goes around to the rodeo circuits and tries to win Cowboys for Christ. And he's been doing that for years. But when I first heard this song, I first heard this song in California. Now, my Friend, Pastor Tim Rule at Pleasant Valley Baptist Church in Chico, California, had a winter revival every single year. And uh, for 11 years in a row, Dr. Jim Delishmidt was the singer and the preacher for that revival. But he passed away and went home to be with the Lord. And so they called Tony Hudson to come and preach, and they called me to come and sing. And Tony Hudson is a big old guy. I'm the little bitty guy, so it was like the hamburger and the french fry headed to California together, right? And back then, Brother Tony was lifting weights. He was like number three in the world in the deadlift, and he was just huge. And I remember he asked me, he said, Brother Fry, how much do you weigh, boy? And I said, well, about 150 pounds. And he said, my right leg weighs 150 pounds. (laughs) But when we got to California, everybody started telling me about this guy, Dr. Jim Telleschmidt, and asking me, did you ever hear him preach? Did you ever hear him sing? And I said, I didn't know he existed till I came to California. So they gave me one of his testimony CDs, which was called From Dope to Hope. And they gave me one, a cassette, this was a long time ago, gave me a cassette with some of his music on there, and this song was on that cassette. And these guys in the church told me, they said, this particular song... Is Pastor Rule's favorite song. And so I told him, I said, well, if you'll just be quiet, I'll learn this song. And the last night of the meeting, I'll play that in honor of your pastor. Now, we were getting ready to walk onto the platform the last night of the revival. And Pastor Tim Rule put a cassette tape in my pocket. And he said, Bruce, there's a song on here called The Old Man is Dead. And he said, it's one of my favorite songs. And I thought you might like it. Now, he didn't know I was getting ready to walk out there and sing that song. And when I started singing that song, because that man had ministered to them for over 11 years in a row, I mean, everybody started weeping as I started singing that song. I want to quickly tell you Dr. Jim Dellerschmidt's testimony. He was not always a doctor. At one time in his life, he was the president of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club in St. Louis, Missouri. But he had a mama who prayed for him and prayed for him. And every time he would call home, she would always end the conversation with these words, Jim... Will you please come to church? And he'd say, No, Mama. I'm not coming to church. You can stop praying for me. I don't need God. And so every time she would just keep inviting, keep inviting. And one day she was talking to his younger brother on the phone, and she just broke down and started weeping. And the younger brother said, Mama, why are you crying? She said, I'm so worried about Big Jim. I'm afraid he's going to die and go to hell because he's made his motorcycle his God. And after that conversation, the younger brother called his big brother up, going to mess with him a little bit, and he said, Hey, big Jim, I heard you've been praying to your motorcycle. Is that true? He said, No, I don't do that. Who told you that? He said, Mama did. And Jim got mad, called his mom on the phone. He said, Why would you tell my brother I prayed to my motorcycle? I don't do that. She said, I didn't say that, Jim. He said, What did you say? She said, I told your brother that you had made your motorcycle your God. He said, What do you mean by that? She said, well, son, the Bible says this. And he said, stop right there, Mom. I don't want to hear nothing the Bible has to say. Just tell me what you meant by that statement. She said, okay. Son, the Bible says. And she, he said, I told you, I don't want to hear none of that. And finally, being his little mama, she just told him to be quiet. She said, son, the Bible says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And you put that motorcycle before God, so it's become a little God in your life. Will you please come to church Sunday? He said he was so mad. He said, yes, ma'am, I'm coming Sunday. You tell that preacher I'm coming. You tell them people I'm coming. And he slammed the phone down. He was so angry and mad. Sunday morning came. He put all his Hells Angels leather clothes on. He had a man Chew thing with rubber bands in it here, you know, and tattoos all over. He didn't want to feel any pain at church, so he popped a few pills before he got on his motorcycle, got into the parking lot, made it backfire three or four times because he wanted everybody to know big Jim's coming to church. He walked into the church, sat down in the very last pew. There was a couple over here, and when they saw him, they kind of looked at him like this, and he looked at them real quick and scared the fire out of them. And all of a sudden, a door opened back here, and the choir started coming out. And it was back in the days where they used to wear the robes with all the colors and stuff. And of course, he had popped a few pills, and he was going, wow, look at that. You know? And the last one that came through the door was his little mama. And when she saw him sitting back there, she dipped her head, acknowledging he was in the service. The choir sang, the preacher preached, then they gave an invitation. And this big motorcycle president, full of pills and full of pride, got out of his pew, walked down to an old-fashioned altar just like this, and knelt and trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he became an evangelist and a singer of the gospel of Jesus Christ for many, many years. No telling how many people are going to be in heaven because of this man's testimony. I'm trying to get his testimony on a CD so I can make that available on my table one day. And so this was his favorite song and it's called The Old Man is Dead. Oh, and then an old friend of mine I've not seen for some time will stop by and ask me Hey, where you've been What's on your mind they wonder why I'm not drinking and still painting this old town red I tell them I'm serving Jesus now and the old man is dead The man you see before you may look a lot the same May wear the same clothes have the same old name but you're looking all the outside could see inside instead. You would see a brand new man, cause the old man is dead. See, according to the word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. used to live such a wicked life, I had no hope in sight. I was lost in darkness, searching for the light. Then one night in a little church, after hearing what the preacher said, I gave my life to Jesus. And the old man was dead. Thank God the old man is dead. Amen. Well, if you open your Bibles tonight with me to Ephesians chapter 4, please. And with God's help tonight, I want to bring you a message entitled, The Battle of Bitterness. You know, nobody is going to have revival in their heart if they have bitterness in their heart or any unconfessed sin for that matter. You know, I was thinking about as I was singing that song, I was never in the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club. I had a Harley Davidson motorcycle, but the Hells Angels used to come to my shows from time to time. The outlaws also came to my shows. They never came at the same time, but they'd have killed each other. But that was the crowd that I hung out with, and I thank God that He pulled me out of that pit and saved me from all of that lifestyle. I'm so grateful for that. And growing up as a young man, I was a bitter and angry young man. I'm going to share some things about my childhood with you. I'll try to go um, deep into some things. I know we have children in the house. But you know, sometimes things happen in your life, and you get angry, you get mad, you get bitter, and you never deal with it, and you carry that all your life. God does not want you to carry that all your life. God wants you to give those things to Him because He's got a bigger hand and He's got bigger shoulders and He can carry that weight better than you can. And so I pray this will be a help and a blessing to you. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 26, the Bible says this, "...Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil." Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father God in heaven, I come again as your servant, as your child, and I need your help tonight. Father, would you fill me with your Spirit? Would you use me for your glory? Would you speak through me to the hearts of these dear people? And as always, Father, if there's anybody here in church tonight, but they're not in Christ, they've never been saved, they've never been born again, I pray that You would open their eyes to their need to become a child of the living God. And Father, if there's a brother or sister in Christ here, and they've got bitterness in their heart, or any unconfessed sin in their heart, Lord, would You help them to get rid of that tonight? Because if they don't, they're never going to have revival in the heart. And Father... I realize without You, I can do nothing. But also realize with You, I can do all things. So I need Your help tonight. And please, use this message and use Your Word to accomplish what You send it out to do. In Jesus' precious and wonderful and holy name I pray. Amen, and amen, and amen. You know, we all struggle with forgiveness from time to time. And a lot of times... The reason we do is because there's a root of bitterness that's never been dealt with. Unforgiveness in your heart towards others is sin. Can I say that again? Unforgiveness in your heart towards others is sin. I heard a preacher say this one time. I can't remember who it was, but he said, You're free to make choices, but you are not free from the choices that you make. Jim Wilson said this, Guilt is what we feel when we sin, Bitterness is what we feel when others sin against us. Now some people say, Yeah, I've forgiven them. I've buried the hatchet, but they leave the handle in and they bury it again and again and again and they really never get over it. When I was a kid growing up, I was a middle child. How many middle children do we have? All right, well, maybe you'll feel some of my pain here tonight. You know, sometimes when you're a middle child, everything gets dumped on you. At my house... When something went wrong or something uh, happened, my dad would always blame me for it, whether I did it or not. One particular night, I was sitting in my bed, and I'll be honest with you, I was not a smart kid. My dad would tell me to do one thing and I would do the opposite. So a lot of times I got in trouble because I was just not very bright, okay? But this particular night, I was sitting in my bed, reading a comic book, being a good boy for once in my life. My two brothers were in the bathtub. Sammy's a year older. My brother Dale's four years younger. They were in the bathtub splashing and laughing and having a big time. And all of a sudden, out of the back bedroom, this is what I heard. Bruce, if I have to come in there, boy. I'm thinking I'm not doing anything this time. Since it was me most of the time anyway, I just said, okay, Dad. And the next thing I saw was two wet heads in my doorway saying, thank you, brother. And I said, don't worry about it. But when they left, the tears started to come. And the bitterness in my heart towards my dad started to grow. And it got worse and it got worse. My dad and I were like two magnets and we just rubbed each other the wrong way. My dad and I are a lot alike. And I think that was one of the problems. But what had happened, it got so bad in my home that my mother wouldn't get me up in the morning. She would uh, make breakfast for my dad, he'd go to work, and then she would wake me up and make my breakfast so I could go to school just to keep us out of the same room. It got that bad because every time we were together, there was tension. And so because of that relationship with my dad, things got a little worse. And again, I'm trying to be very careful here, but there was some physical abuse with my dad and myself. And, And so at 17 years old, I said, I'm not taking this anymore, I'm leaving. And I left home, 17, bitter and angry. Oh, I had road rage so bad. You know, my brother said, he said, I don't have road rage. He said, but I wish people had rubber bumpers so I could just kind of help them along a little bit. <laughs> but I had road rage bad. You pull out in front of me on the highway, the horn's going to blow, the wind is coming down, the screaming, the yelling, the curse. I mean, I was so angry. And every now and then I was like a light bulb. I'd just, I'd just blow up. And it was just terrible. Then one day I got to thinking about my dad and our relationship, and I hated it. Because because I left home for almost four years, my dad and I didn't even speak to one another. And it was bad. I hated it. I would go home for Christmas, and when I would walk in the house, my dad would go back in the bedroom and shut the door until I left. And so I got angry about that, so I quit coming home for Christmas. So my mom, my brothers would come wherever I was living. We'd try to have some kind of semblance of Christmas, It was just a sad time. And I was thinking about all this, and I I thought about this thought. I thought, man, what if something happens to him? Or what if something happens to me, and we never get this thing cleared up? One of us is going to feel really bad, and I didn't want it to be me. So I sat down, and I wrote my dad, not a letter, just a little paragraph. And this is what I said. I said, Dad... I don't expect a letter. I don't expect a phone call. I don't expect anything. But, Dad, before something happens to you or before something happens to me, I want you to know that I love you, Dad. And I signed it. I mailed it to him. And obviously, my dad read that letter because the next time I saw him in downtown Aberdeen, he said hello to me. That was a big day for me because we hadn't spoken in four years. The next time I saw him, he said, Why don't you come by the house and have lunch with us sometime? I said, Okay. Okay. And little by little, things started getting better. Why? Because I took the first step. You know, when two people are having a problem, somebody's going to have to take the first step or nothing's ever going to get resolved. And so I'm glad I did that. And my dad and I are best of friends now. I love him dearly. I got to lead my dad to Jesus Christ when he's 87 years old. He's 91 now. This May If he lives to be uh, May the 26th, he'll be 92. And we're the best of friends. And I remember he looked at me one time about a month or so ago, and he said, we didn't like each other much back then, did we, Bruce? And I said, no, Dad, we hated each other. He said, boy, times sure have changed, aren't they? And I said, yeah, they sure. He said, I sure do love you, son. And I said, I love you, Dad. And I'm so glad that our relationship is what it is now, because it was hard. And so one day I got to thinking about the letter and everything that I wrote. So I wrote a song just like it happened. I wrote the letter or I sent the letter. He read the letter. Things got better. And I played that for a friend of mine in Nashville. And after I played the song for him, they said, Wow, what if the letter wouldn't have gotten there on time and something would have happened to you or your dad? So I rewrote the song as if the letter didn't get there on time and the dad died. Now the first time my dad heard this song, he said, Wow, You write a song about me and kill me off in it. Why'd you do that? (laughs) I said, I'm sorry, Dad. I was just trying to have the song have a little more impact. And then after I got saved, I changed and wrote another verse at the end of the song. So I just wanted to share all that with you. And if my dad was standing here beside me, you would know that he's my daddy because we look just alike. My dad loves to hunt. He had bird dogs and stuff. And he had a guy that he called his dog man. And he'd go by and get all his uh, hunting gear and stuff from the dog man. And one day he was heading over there. And, and I said, Dad, can I ride with you? I've heard about this dog man all my life. Never met him. I got, a one, I, I got out of one side of the truck. My dad got out of the other side of the truck. And the dog man looked at me and looked at my dad. And he said, Sam, you're going to have to claim that puppy. He looks just like you. Mama said that we were just alike in every way. And I favored him more with each passing day. It took years later, many tears to find. The closest distance between us was his heart and mine. I was a rebel, my heart filled with rage. So I left my family at an early age I was too young to know just what I had lost or land to realize my stubbornness had caused The love between a father and a son is not always given sometimes it must be earned and even though it takes a while for some of us to learn you can't deny the love between a father and a son so I wrote a letter Filled with things I couldn't say I wanted him to know I cared before it was too late My mailman came daily But I chose to wait For he deserved to hear these words From me face to face And on a cold December morning, and kneeling by his grave, clutching this unopened letter, and wishing he could hear me say. Between a father and a son. was shown on Calvary's hill. When God gave his begotten one. And if you put your trust in him. That's when you'll finally learn. You can't deny the love between a father and a son. Our true love between the Father and the Son. Well, tonight I'd like, with God's help, to share three problems as a result of bitterness in the heart. Problem number one is did you get no peace at all? If you've got bitterness in your heart and you have not dealt with it biblically like God wants you to, you'll have no peace at all. The Bible says in Hebrews 12:14 and 15, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without <clears throat> which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And the Bible also says in Romans 12:1, If it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And I know sometimes you can try to live peaceably with some people and some people won't let you do that. That's one of the reasons I left home when I did because I just couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. So number one, you get no peace at all, number one. And then number two, you get no prayers answered. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Do you realize if you have unconfessed sin in your life, and I believe especially the sin of bitterness in your heart, that you can pray all day, but God's not going to hear your prayers. Of course, He hears everything, but He's not going to acknowledge your prayers. That word there, if I regard, that word regard in the Latin language is the word widow in the Latin language. Now, it's not spelled like that. It's spelled video, V-I-D-E-O. And so basically what God is talking about here, if somebody has harmed you or somebody has said something about you or done something wrong to you and you think about that person or you hear their name and a video starts to play in your head, then a fire starts to burn in your heart. Then you've got bitterness in the heart. Isaiah 59. 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. So number one, you get no peace at all. Number two, you get no prayers answered. And then number three, you give place to the devil. You realize when you become a child of God, the devil can't do anything to you unless you open the door and let him in. And when a Christian has unconfessed sin in their life, it opens the door for Satan to come in. A dear friend of mine, preacher friend of mine, said, uh, shared this little illustration with me. He said, Bruce, he said it's like your life is a pizza pie. And when you have sin in your heart and you don't deal with it, and deal with it quickly. That's what God wants us to do. If He confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you continue to have this uh, bitterness in your heart or any unconfessed sin in your heart, what you do is you open the door and allow Satan to have a slice of your pie. Satan doesn't want to just eat one slice of your pie. He wants to eat the whole pizza. He wants to get in there and get a stronghold in your life. He wants you to be miserable. He wants you not to have a relationship with God. He wants you to keep you from your prayers being answered. And you have any peace in your life? And back here in your Bible, in verse 26, the Bible says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give to place to the devil. Now that phrase, give place, is topos in the Greek language. And it means topography. It means to give ground. And that's what happens when you have a sin in your life that's unconfessed Then you give ground to the devil. And then Satan, again, can't take anything, but we can give him ground. And uh, James chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I know many of you are young in here and you're not married, but many of you are married and you've had uh, discussions with your mate from time to time. Well, let's just go ahead and be honest about it. You ever had an argument with your wife or your husband? No. No. I heard this one guy, he told me, he said, Bruce, he said, my wife and I have been married for 50 years and we've never said a bad word to either one of us. I said, really? He said, yeah, we just don't talk. (laughs) I said, well, that would do it. (laughs) But you know, my wife and I, early in our marriage, we're having one of those discussions. I'll just be honest with you, I was angry. And I remember she was sitting on the couch. I don't remember what it was about, I just remember I was, I was angry. I was, you know, telling her what was going on and stuff, and things just weren't going well. And so I finally got to the point, I said, forget it. I'm going to bed. And I went back in the bedroom, and I got on my knees to pray, and guess what? I couldn't pray. I wanted to pray. Now, I don't hear bells ringing or voices in my head, but that still small voice of the Holy Spirit said, you need to go in there and tell your wife you're sorry. I said, no, I don't either, God. She needs to come in here and tell me she's sorry. She started this. It's her fault, not my fault. And I started having this argument with God. Have you ever tried to argue with God? You're not going to win. And I realized I wasn't going to win. And so I said, God, I am bitter against my wife. I am angry against my wife. And I know that's a sin against you. And I said, God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I didn't ask Him to forgive me because as soon as I acknowledged my sin, I was forgiven. First John one nine: If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know the moment that you get saved, when you trust Christ as your Savior, you're forgiven of your past, your present, and your future sins. But that doesn't give you a license to sin. So as a Christian, when we sin, now to keep... The avenue, great, where we can have peace and prayer with God, we have to confess our sins. That's what the verse teaches us. And as soon as you confess it, you are forgiven. Isn't He a wonderful God? What a wonderful, wonderful God. And so once I got things right with the Lord, I knew I had to go in there and get things right with her. So I went back into the living room. She's still sitting there on the couch. And I said, honey, I said, what I said was wrong? The way I said it was wrong? I said, I've gotten things right with God. I'm coming in here to get things right with you. Will you please forgive me? And she said, yeah, it was my fault. No, she didn't. (laughs) If I went in there so I could hear her say that, I went in there for the wrong reason. I went in there because I wanted to be right with my wife. I wanted to be right with my God. You see, when you get right with God, it's like this. When you get right with people, it's like this. And it forms a cross. And all the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And once I got things right with her, I was able to go in the bedroom, get on my knees, and I was able to pray to my God with a clean heart because God had given me the forgiveness that I needed. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19, the Bible commands us, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Do you realize that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, nothing will offend you? Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I was talking to a friend of mine who's in heaven now. His name is Bobby Robertson. Had a big church there in North Carolina. And he told me a story about him and Lester Roloff riding down the road one day. And and he said, Brother Bruce, he said, I I said something I thought might be a little off color. And he said, it just grieved my spirit. And I looked over at... uh, Brother Roloff, and I said, Brother Roloff, he said, would you please forgive me? He said, I I don't don't want to say anything that would offend you. He said, Brother Roloff looked at him and said, Brother Bobby, you can't offend a dead man. And the reason we get so offended sometimes is because we're not dead enough. That's why Paul said, I die daily. And the reason we get our feelings hurt, and people get their feelings hurt about anything this day and time, it's just terrible. But the reason we do is because we're we're not dead enough. We're not dead to self like the Bible teaches us to be. Do you realize that if you're bitter at somebody and angry at somebody, that you're really, truly bitter at God? Because what you're saying is, God, you allowed this in my life, and you could have stopped this. So it's your fault, God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 8, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, what does all of that mean? That means that if something happens in your life here, and God helps you through that, somewhere down the road, it's going to happen to somebody else, and you're going to be able to help them Because you've been there, you've done that, you wore the t-shirt, you threw it away, however you want to say it. It happened in my life. Years ago, I first uh, got saved and I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, but I was working in Cleveland, Tennessee. In Shenandoah Baptist Church, they had a boys' ranch and a girls' haven. On Tuesday nights, I would go to the boys' ranch. Somebody would preach and I would talk to the boys, just try to be a help, to be a servant there at uh, at the ranch and stuff. And after one service one night, this young boy came up to me, 16 years old. He said, Brother Bruce, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, buddy. So we went into one of the classrooms there, sat down. He started pouring his heart out to me. He said, Bruce, he said, "Uh, one of the reasons I'm here is because me and my dad don't get along. We're like magnets. We rub each other the wrong way. We can't even be in the same room without yelling at each other and giving each other a hard time. And, And it just got so bad that finally they had to send me to this place. And as he was telling me his story, I'm thinking, wow, this kid is me. He's told me some things that had happened to him. I'm reliving my life. And he started crying. I started crying. And all of a sudden he stopped me. He said, why am I telling you all this? You have no idea how I feel. I said, boy, I know exactly how you feel. He said, how could you know? I shared some things that happened to me growing up as a little boy that I've never told anybody because I knew it would help him. And it did help him that night. After we prayed together, he said, Bruce, I'm going to go back to my bunk and I'm going to write my daddy a letter and tell him how much I love him. And I remember when I left his presence, I looked up to the stars of heaven and I said, God, I always wondered why some of the things happened to me that happened to me when I was growing up as a kid. I said, but if he's the only boy I ever helped, Thank you, Father, for allowing me to go through that so I could help Him. You see, God always has a purpose. People want to say that He's not a good God, but He is a good God. And everything He allows in your life is for your good and His glory somehow, some way, whether you understand it or not. You know, bitterness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. How do you know if you're still bitter? You'll say things like this. I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget it. Or you'll say, I'll forgive them, but I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Or, I'll forgive them, but I don't want to ever see them again as long as I live. You're still bitter, if that's your attitude. See, Jesus doesn't want retaliation. He wants restoration. 1 Peter 2, 23, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Satan will cause you to believe a lie so you can justify your sin. You say, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be bitter. Now, I could get you all to come and stand in a line here tonight. I could whisper some things in your ear that happened to me as I was growing up as a kid. And I might get you to agree with me. Yes, Bruce, you have a right to be angry. You have a right to be bitter. But what am I going to whisper into the ear of Jesus Christ? What am I going to say to him? Jesus, this is what they said. Oh, they mocked you. And Jesus, this is what they did. Oh, they beat you within an inch of your life. Nothing that we go, go through in our lives is anything compared to what Jesus Christ went through on His way to the cross and on the cross itself. I'm not going to have a leg to stand on, and you aren't either. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an act of obedience, trusting Him with the outcome. I want to end up here real quickly now. If you look back at your Bible, at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. And the Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. See, God has a list here of what happens when a person is bitter and they don't take care of it. And it starts out with the word bitterness, and I've added some H's here so you can remember it. So right beside the word bitterness, I put hate. Resentment when someone does you wrong. We've already talked about that all night. And then he uses the word wrath. And, on, and right beside that, I put hot in. That slow burn on the inside. And then he uses the word anger. That's hot out. That's open and outward. Then God uses the word clamor. These are harmful words. Vocal, loud, making known your dissatisfaction. Then He uses the phrase evil speaking. These are hateful, hasty words. Saying things we don't really mean. You start slandering the person, trying to make them look bad, and you end up making yourself look bad. And then God ends this verse with the word malice. And when you get to this point, you're going to hurt somebody. Or you're gonna hurt yourself. These people that go into these schools and shoot people and end up shooting themselves, there's bitterness in the heart. And when it comes out, it explodes. And somebody always gets hurt. So, what is the remedy? Look at the next verse. Ephesians 4:32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And you might say, you can't forgive. But God says, you can. He's forgiven you of everything you've ever done your whole life. Can you not forgive one person of one thing they did in your life? Mark Twain made this statement. He said, forgiveness is the fragrance that the flower leaves on the heel of the one who crushed it. Someone else said to forgive is to set a captive free, only to discover that captive is me. Forgiveness provides a refreshing shower for the mind and spirit. The softest pillow is a clean conscience. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another person's sin. Bitterness does more damage where it is stored than on the person who it is poured. Bitterness never kills its intended target. Bitterness finally eats the container that it lives in. And if you're bitter in your heart, It is eating you alive, and God wants you to get rid of it. So how do you battle bitterness? Three things, and we'll be done. Number one, you confess your bitterness as sin to God. Again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number two, pray for the person that has hurt you. And You might say, I can't do that. I can do all things through Christ. And I promise you this, you start praying for that person that's hurt you and done you wrong. You'll develop a love for them in your heart you never even knew you could have. And you'll even start feeling sorry for them. And you say, well, I don't know if I can do that or not. Just start doing it. Just start doing it and keep doing it. God will help you. Matthew 5, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you or persecute you. And then number three, if possible, go to that person and tell them that you're bitter against them. And you, you've gotten things right with God and you want to get things right with them. Now see, I couldn't go to my dad. He wouldn't talk to me. That's why I wrote him a letter. Maybe there's somebody you need to write a letter to. Maybe there's a phone call you need to make. Whatever you need to do, you need to do it. In Mark 11, 25, it says, When you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. God wants you to go and make things right with people so you can be right with Him. You know, it's hard to battle bitterness without first tasting the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers through His death, burial, and resurrection. If you're here tonight and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, it's going to be hard for you to forgive. I'll be honest with you. Before I got saved, I forgave my dad. But after I got saved, then I really forgave my dad because I really understood what true forgiveness was really all about. There was a man that went to Africa. He was trying to win this village to Christ. And there was a little boy there that had lost his mom and dad. So this missionary adopted that little boy. He led him to faith in Jesus Christ. He was trying to teach him how to be a Christian young man. And one day, that little boy had made him a play sword, but it was a really sharp play sword. And he was out in the yard fighting with the chickens. When his dad saw that, he went, Son, son, stop. If you kill one of them chickens, we're not going to have eggs for breakfast tomorrow. He said, Take your sword... Fight with a tree, something you can't kill. Okay, buddy. He said, okay, dad. Dad went into the hut. The little boy went right back to fighting the chickens. Accidentally killed one of those chickens. Instead of going in there, confessing his sin, telling his dad what he had done, he took that chicken to the edge of the woods and dug a hole and buried it. Covered it up. Covered up his tracks. You know, the Bible says, He that covereth this sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. And after he got through covering his tracks, he said, nobody will ever know. And when he turned around, uh uh-oh, guess who's watching him do the whole ordeal? Not his new daddy, but the meanest man in the village. And that old mean man looked at him and said, Ha! What's your Christian daddy going to think about you now, Christian boy? He said, oh, please don't tell him what I've done. He'll be so disappointed in me. He said, sir, please, I'm begging you, don't tell him what I've done. He said, I'll do anything you ask me to do, but please don't tell my dad what I've done. That old man looked at him and he said, I'll tell you what. When I wake up in the morning, if I have wood and I have water by my hut, I won't say a word. But I wake up one morning, there's no wood, there's no water, I'm going to march up the hill and tell your daddy what you did with that chicken. That little boy said, oh, you'll have wood and water, I promise. And for two weeks solid, that little boy toted wood and toted water and toted wood and toted water till his little heart was about to bust. He couldn't stand it anymore. And he ran into the hut and he said, Dad, remember the sword, the chicken? You told me not to do it. I disobeyed you. I killed him. I buried him. I tried to cover it. And he said, I can't stand it anymore, Dad. He said, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? His dad wrapped his arms around that little boy. He said, Son, You are forgiven. Thank you for telling me. That little boy walked out of there. The load was off his shoulders. And the next day, he didn't take any wood. And he didn't take any water. That mean old man came to him and said, Where's my wood and where's my water, boy? And he said, I'm not doing that anymore. He said, I'm going to go tell your daddy what you did with that chicken. He said, You don't have to. Already did. And I am forgiven. There's a lot of people walking around, toting wood and toting water that they don't have to carry. They say you can catch a raccoon several ways, but one way is to take a board, cut a hole in it, nail nails in it, put some bait behind it, and when the raccoon reaches his hand through the hole, grabs the bait, pulls his hand back, the nails catch him like this. If he had just let go of the bait, he could get his hand out, but he's not that smart. He continues to hold on to it and continues to tug and pull. And the longer He holds on to it, the longer He tugs and pulls on it, the more trapped He becomes. It's the same thing with sin, and especially the sin of bitterness. And God wants you to let it go and give it to Him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not going to be personal about it, but i ask you this question. During this message, if God spoke to your heart, would you raise your hand? During this message, God spoke to me personally. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being honest. Maybe you're here tonight and there's somebody that has hurt you. And I'm not going to diminish the fact it may be something horrible. But you know what? God wants you to have a clean heart. God wants you to give that pain to Him. He does not want you to carry that. And if you want to, right now in your seat, you could open the palm of your hand and you could place that sin, whether it's the sin of bitterness or some other sin, place it in your hand and make a fist. And then hold it up in the air. Say, God, here it is. I've been holding on to this for a long, long time. And I don't want to hold on to it anymore. Tonight, I want to give it to you. I know I'm not going to have revival in my heart until I get rid of this. And then just open your hand and give it to God tonight. If you're here tonight, and you'd say, Brother Bruce, would you pray for me? Because if I died right this second, I'm not sure I'd even go to heaven. I'm not sure if I've ever been born again. I'm not sure if I'm saved. If there's anybody like that tonight that I could pray for, would you raise your hand? I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody I could pray for like that? God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Bruce, pray for me. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see your hand, sweetie. Thank you. Father God in heaven, you've seen these two hands that were raised. And Lord, you see their hearts. And I pray during this invitation that you would give them the courage to come and let me or pastor or somebody open the Bible and show them how they can know for sure that they're saved and on their way to heaven. Others have raised their hand and said you spoke to their heart during this message tonight. So this invitation is for them too. If they come, if they need to come and talk to you, I pray they will. Would you stand with your head bowed and your eyes?